Open your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Now at the end of uh, verse 15, and you're familiar with this passage, uh, after the first missionary journey, uh, Paul and Barnabas decide uh, to go back and visit the churches and begin their second missionary journey. And uh, uh, look for just a minute at verse 37 there. And Barnabas determined, and that's a strong word, to take with him, with them, John, whose surname was Mark. Now you remember, on the first missionary journey, uh, John went a while, and then things got pretty rough, and he he left him, went back home. So, uh, but Barnabas was determined. Uh, to take John Mark with them on the second meeting. And that's typical of Barnabas. Amen. And uh, then verse 38, this is typical of Paul. Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pergia and went not with them to the work. In other words, Paul said, hey, he, he uh, got cold feet. He turned around, he went back home. I'm not going to waste my time on a quitter. <laughs> That's probably Paul, okay? And then uh, the Bible says, and the contention, can you imagine Christians having contention? Okay, <laughs> you can, okay? <laughs> and the contention was so sharp between them uh, that they departed asunder. Can you imagine that? Uh, two of the greatest church leaders in the history of mankind, uh, the two men that began the first organized missionary program, uh, they determined to depart. The contention was so great among them that they, they determined. And I often tell people, this is where Independent Baptist started. Okay? Uh, Paul said... Barnabas, uh, you go your way and I'll go my way, <laughs> okay? But the good thing about this is uh, you read all the book of Acts and the letters of Paul and uh, they, they did not have a bad word against each other. And that they disagreed over a personality, but uh, they, they did not call each other neo-fundamentalist or pseudo-fundamentalist or neo-evangelical. <laughs> You know, okay, we disagreed. And, and later on, uh, you remember uh, uh, in the Second Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul said, to, hey, bring Mark. He's profitable to me for the ministry. Uh, so even when you're contentious, uh, do it kindly. Amen. <laughs> anyway, uh, after that, then uh, Paul chose Silas. Paul and Silas were determined to actually go back to Asia. So uh, let, let's begin our reading uh, today with uh, verse 5, okay? Acts chapter 16, verse 5. And so were the churches established in the faith. Now what they'd done is they, they had been visiting the churches that were started on the first missionary journey. 
and increased in number daily. That's a wonderful thing. Now, when they had gone through Pergia and the regions of Galatia and were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Notice that very carefully. They were forbidden. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, Paul spent some time with God every day. And he, he wanted to know the daily leadership of the Lord. There's a great verse in Psalm 37, verse 23, that says, think about this, the steps, not the years, uh, not the months, not the week, not even the days, but the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. That's a great verse, amen. Oh, why don't you turn your Bible and look at that real closely. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Uh, look at the pronoun he. Okay. Uh, what, what does that pronoun refer back to? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Okay, does the pronoun go back to the Lord? Or does it go back to the good man? And in reality, can, can you really tell? You can. Okay. And since we can't tell, uh, maybe it refers to both of them. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he, the good man, delights in the way of the Lord. And don't you catch yourself nearly daily saying, isn't God good? Yeah. God provided this. God led me in this way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. In other words, the good man delights in the ways of the Lord. And by the way, the Lord delights in the ways of a good man. And aren't you glad God's not as hard to please as most people? Okay. And, and, and when we're praying and when we're witnessing and when we're living right, uh, God delights the ways, the steps of a good man. Uh, so, so Paul is obviously uh, spending some time every day with God. And, and every day he wanted to know where God had him that day. Uh, if we're not careful... Uh, we'll make up our mind. We're going to do certain things in regards to what happens. We go ahead and do them anyway. But it'd be a good idea. It would be a good idea today and every day of our life just to spend some time with God. Now, Lord, where do you want me today? So, so, so notice the rest of the reading, okay? And when they'd gone through throughout Persia and the regions of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And, and the reason was uh, they had been there already. The word had already preached there. When they came to Mysia, they are said to go into Bithynia. In other words, okay, if it's not Asia, then maybe Mysia. But the Spirit suffered them not. And... And uh, maybe at this time, Paul is a little bit frustrated. I thought I knew where I was going. And 
then God said, no, no, you're not going back into Asia. Okay, then maybe it's Messiah. And somehow the Holy Spirit of God communicated to Paul, no, uh, that's not where I went, okay? And they passed in through Messiah, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there was a man of Macedonia who prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Wow. Okay. It wasn't Mysia. It wasn't Asia. But he saw this vision in the night. Now, uh, you don't have to pray for any vision today. You've got the Bible, okay? And, uh, but in, in, the, in the New Testament times, many times the people had visions and, and they, they saw the will of God through those visions, okay? And here stood the man of God saying, or, or the man from Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Uh, when I was pastoring in Providence, Kentucky, I wrote an article on missions that was published in the Western Recorder. And I remember I was a Southern Baptist at this time. Okay. Uh, the Western Recorder was the state paper of Kentucky, and it went into every Southern Baptist church in Kentucky. And uh, not, not only that, but uh, many of the missionaries around the world uh, had studied at Louisville Seminary, so uh, the Western Recorder continued to go to them regardless of where they were. So the, past, the, the, the paper was read not only uh, in most of the Southern Baptist churches, but the missionaries who had been studying at Louisville. Uh, several weeks after the article was published, and by the way, uh, it was an article questioning the... Uh, corporate program of the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, uh, we thought when we sent money to the corporate program, and that, that was churches, and, and most of the churches were like me. They didn't know what happened. We thought we were supporting missions. Come find out. About 10% of that money went to missions, and the other 90% uh, went to things that we did not want to support at all. But they, they would occasionally uh, print something that was contrary to the thinking of Southern Baptists. Anyway, soon, about, about uh, maybe a month, several weeks after the article was published, uh, I, I received a letter from Donald Mobley, a missionary servant in Akita Prefecture of Japan. The letter read like this, Dear Brother Sisk, I read with much interest your article in the Western Recorder. I don't know anything about you. I don't know your age. I don't know your educational attainment. I don't know what you're doing right now. However, as I read the article, I thought, whoever wrote this article had a heart for missions. And then he said, Brother says, my wife and I are the only missionaries in Akita, Japan. 
There are three and a half million people in this prefecture. And then he told about some problems they were having with a child that either he or his wife had to be with the child constantly and some of the problems they were having. But he closed his letter with a question. And the question was, Brother Sis, what would keep you from coming to Japan? <laughs> well, that's kind of nosy, amen. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm, I'm pastoring in Providence, Kentucky. Uh, there are 3,500 people in Providence. And they get to prefecture, they're 3.5 million. Uh, we're the only missionaries in Akita, Japan. And there were two other Southern Baptist churches in Providence, Kentucky. There was a Methodist church, a Presbyterian church, a Pentecostal. I mean, you know, there were churches everywhere you went. And uh, that question sort of haunted me. What would keep you from coming to Japan? Now, I was probably dumb, but the next, well, no, no question about being dumb, okay? Uh, no. But uh, uh, the next Wednesday night at, at prayer meeting, I, I read that letter to my church, and I said, uh, please pray for me. Please pray for me. You think about it. 3.5 million people in Akita, Japan. Providence, Kentucky, 3.5 thousand and in Providence, all kinds of churches. And then I came to Japan. No other churches. About six weeks after that, I went to an evangelistic conference in Louisville, Kentucky. And I heard Dr. Baker Cawthon preach a wonderful mission message on the untold millions. The untold millions. And I sat and listened to that message, and uh, in the beginning, I began to think, now, uh, how could I lead my church to give more to missions? Uh, how could I influence other churches to give more to missions? But before the service is over, I realized that that's not what I want you to do, Don. And they did not have an invitation. Uh, but I went back to the Brown Hotel that night in Louisville. And uh, I was rooming with a, another preacher friend, uh, Archie Oliver. He was several years older than I. And uh, we had prayer together. And then after Brother Oliver went to sleep, you say, well, it's dark in the room. How did you know he was sleeping? I've never roomed with a Baptist preacher anywhere, Dr. Van Gildren, that did not snore. <laughs> So when Archie started snoring, uh, I got my Bible and went in the bathroom and, and literally on my face before God, I, I said, dear Lord, I don't know how I could go to the mission field. I was a Southern Baptist. Uh, I knew absolutely nothing about independent Baptists. I did not know there was any other way to get to the mission field other than going through the Southern Baptist Convention. And I knew that I could not go to the seminary and therefore could not qualify as a missionary. But I, I, I just simply said, dear God, if you'll open the doors, 
I'll go. Hey, by the way, God is good at opening doors. <laughs> Long story short, okay, I got back from that meeting and uh, there was a mammograph pamphlet in, in my uh, mail one day. And it was about a new mission organization that had started in 1960. Now, this was in 1962. And it was just a mammograph sheet. Didn't, didn't look very good at all. But I began to read it, and uh, I thought, good night. Whoever these people are, uh, they believe what I believe. And, and it was from a group called Baptist International Missions Incorporated, which was formed in 1960. And uh, I, I read in that pamphlet about the leader of that organization was going to speak in a church in Kentucky near where I was at. I'd never been to an independent Baptist church. Now, I didn't know if they were like Mormons or Jehovah Witness, <laughs> you know, or or snake handlers, or, you know, whatever. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't even take my wife with me, but I said, I'm going over to, to Greenville tonight, and, and I'm going to listen to that. And I got over there, and hey, their services were just like ours. And um, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Dr. Tom Freeney, who was a president of BIMI. And uh, I told him my situation, and he said, uh, Don, if you would like, I'm leaving here Wednesday night. I'll come by Providence and spend the night with you in Virginia, and we'll talk about missions. And he did. And eventually God let me go uh, to Japan. And uh, I was sent out of my home church. And by the way, uh, sometimes people say, well, how many missionaries did BIMI have? We don't have any. We help a lot of missionaries, but we do not send anybody to the mission field. Every missionary that goes through BIMI has to be sent by an independent Baptist church. Uh, so my, my church, Calvary Baptist Church in Harvey, Illinois, was uh, my sending church. Think about it. Paul, Silas. And uh, they're forbidden to preach the gospel in Asia. That was their plan. By, by the way, in, in 1 Corinthians 16, you don't have to turn there, but Maybe after the service, you can look there. You remember Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and, and he told them about a planned trip, and, but he used these words, if the Lord will. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come, if the Lord will. And by the way, that ought to be all of our plans. You say, is it wrong to make plans? No. You know, to fail to plan is to plan to fail. We need to make plans. But when we make our plans, we need to be flexible when God speaks. Now, some of you have already got your mind made up. I want to do this and that and so on and so on. And that's okay. Uh, you'll change about 10 times before you graduate, okay? Most of you. But be flexible. Listen. Listen to you. Uh, what, what happened after Paul and Silas saw this vision of this man from Macedonia saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. By the way, if we will listen real closely this morning, God may be saying to somebody, hey, come over to Japan and help us. Japan has 127 million people. 
one half of one percent of the people in Japan claim to be Christians of any kind. I mean, Jehovah Witness, Mormons, Catholics, whatever. Uh, truly born-again children of God, maybe one out of a thousand. Uh, they're, they're great cities, cities of 100,000 people that have absolutely no gospel witness whatsoever. Now, I'm not saying they don't have a Bible-believing, fundamental, independent, non-charismatic, King James. And by the way, I'm all those things, okay? But I'm saying they don't have a witness of any kind whatsoever. Uh, maybe God is saying to somebody, come over to Romania and help us. Uh, come over to the Philippines and help us. Oh, he said a lot of missionaries in the Philippines. But there are a lot of areas in the Philippines that have no gospel witness whatsoever. Come over to the Mideast and help us. That's dangerous. Sure it is. Uh, come over and help. I wondered this morning if, if God may be saying, come over, come over and help us. Now, I know you've got your mind made up. Okay. I, I know your, your plans. And you've got plans. That's okay. But be flexible. Be flexible. I remember many years ago being with the young preacher. And by the way, uh, every preacher I preach for is much younger than me. Amen. <laughs> Even Dr. Van Gilder, okay. I mean, his dad and I are closer to the same age. Okay. Because his dad's in heaven. But, uh, but uh, over and over again, this young preacher kept saying, I'd, I'd, I'd really love to be a missionary. I'd give anything if I could go to the mission field. You know, and I heard that so many times. One day at lunch, he started that again. And I said, uh, you know, since you have such a great desire to go to the mission field, uh, why, why don't you resign your church uh, find a field that really needs missionary. And by the way, that's no problem to do. Okay. And uh, do your deputation, raise your support, and you go to that field and uh, you preach the gospel to them and get people saved and uh, disciple them, train some leaders, start churches. And by the way, even if God didn't call you, he'd probably forgive you. <laughs> and I, I wonder, you know, what would keep you from coming to Japan? What would keep you from going to some unevangelized area of the world? That Paul and Silas acted rightly. Uh, look at, at verse and after we had seen the vision notice the word immediately and by the way that don't mean you quit college and start out tomorrow okay no 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 you finish your education but I'll say some more things about that in a minute but immediately in other words they did not hesitate they did not procrastinate uh, immediately they began to make plans 
to go in to Macedonia. Okay? Immediately, we, we determined to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day to Nepalus. And you know the rest of the story. They went over to the Philippines, or, or <laughs> to the Philippines, <laughs> not the Philippines, okay. Uh, they, they went into Philippi, and uh, they found a, some women out worshiping, and a wealthy lady got saved. Uh, a little bit later on, a demon-possessed girl got saved. A little bit later on, a jailer got saved. And a great church was established in Philippi. And then they went from place to place, okay? Uh, immediately. Look, look at the word immediately. Immediately. Notice what Ecclesiastes 9.10 says. Whatsoever thy hand find to do, do it with thy might. And the emphasis is, uh, do it now. Do it now. Okay. In other words, immediately after they realize, okay, this is God's leading. And, and isn't, it, isn't it wonderful that we can know the daily leadership of God? I, I used to read about the children of Israel going through the wilderness and uh, they were led by, by day uh, with a cloud and at night by the fire. And when the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud stayed still, they stayed still. You know, sometimes you think, wouldn't it be good if uh, in the sky God would just show me what I need to do from day to day? Like he did in the children of Israel. By the way, he's got a better way of showing us. You remember when he was going to leave them? And he said, I'll, I'll not leave you. I'll send you another comforter, another paraclete, uh, somebody else to walk with you day by day by day. And then he said, and he shall be with you. And even better than that, he will be in you. So every one of us as born-again children of God, we have the Holy Spirit of God to lead us step by step. All the way. Whatsoever thy hands find to do, do it with thy might. In other words, when you know what God wants you to do, when you determine, hey, this is what God wants me to do, then do it with all of your might, all of the power that God has given you. Uh, why should we do it now? The Bible says, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. It was immediate action. They began to make plans. They began to burn some bridges. We really want to go to Asia. We really want to go to Mysia. But God said, no, okay. We'll burn those bridges. Okay. Uh, they refused to look back. They decided, okay, this is God. You remember the story of the Borden of Yale. Uh, his uh, 
father took him, or his parents, sent him on a tour of the world, all around the world, after he graduated from high school. A man of God traveled with him, and that was the desire of his mother. And as he traveled around the world, here he is, uh, uh, the son of a millionaire, big company. And he's the one that's supposed to take over that company. And he saw the needs around the world of places where they had no church, no witness whatsoever. And he committed his life to be a missionary. And he wrote in his Bible, no, no reservation. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. After he graduated from college, and by the way, his college career was absolutely phenomenal. Read the book, Borden of Yale. Okay. But after his college, then his father and others thought, okay, he'll come to his senses, and he'll become the president of Borden Dairy Company, one of the largest dairy companies in the whole world. But he didn't. They tried to convince him. But he wrote in his Bible, no retreat. No retreat. I'm not going back. When he went to the mission field to learn the language in another country before going to the country that he planned to go to, he contacted a horrible disease, and he knew he was dying. After his death, they brought some of his things back to America. And one of the things was that Bible. And in that Bible, there was the words, no reservation. No reservation. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what God told me to do. No retreat. I'm not going back. And just before he died, he wrote the words, no regrets. He died as a young man but no regrets. And he left a great testimony. Uh, I, I've been in the ministry now for 69 years. You say, well, isn't it about time you quit? And according to most people's thinking, it is, okay? Uh, every once in a while, somebody says, well, why don't you slow down? Well, I'm afraid somebody will catch me, Okay. <laughs> No, there's no place to quit in the work of God. Uh, I wrote a book called The Fourth Quarter. And after I resigned as president of BIMI, I kind of thought, what am I going to do now? I've been in the ministry all these years. I've been busy all my life. And what am I going to do now? I began to think. The average person in America retires. By the way, you look up the definition of retire, there is not a good definition. Useless. Okay. <laughs> Out of function. You know, on and on. I mean, there is not a good definition of retire. And by the way, it's not in the Bible one time. So I, I began to think, okay, what am I going to do? And uh, I knew that I did not want to retire. But I, I got to thinking about, 
the average person in America retires somewhere between 60 and 65 years of age. They live somewhere between 80 and 85 years of age. So in reality, they've still got a fourth of their life left. And by the way, I, I, I liken our life to a sport event, baseball, basketball, football, whatever. And if you look at it, the games are won and lost in the fourth quarter. Okay? And you can be way behind and have a good fourth quarter and catch up. Or you can be way ahead and have a bad fourth quarter and you leave. No retreat. No retreat. And no regret. And from the depth of my heart, I can look back over 73 years of Christian life, knowing Jesus as my Savior, trying to follow day by day the, the steps of the Lord. What he would have me to do. He said, well, you, you've probably had a real easy life. Uh, you don't want to hear, okay? But it's been a glorious time. And Dr. Van Gelderen, without any shadow of a doubt, I can look back over 69 years of being a preacher. Uh, some 55 years in full-time Christian ministry. And from the depth of my heart, saying, no regret. No regret. Paul said it pretty plainly. I thank God who counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Notice the word, we endeavored. And after seeing the vision, immediately we endeavored. What does that mean? That means this is not a passive willingness. It was an honest effort. There were no doubts, hindrances. There were obstacles in the way. And by the way, when God shows you what he wants you to do, and you know that's what God wants you to do, uh, you can be sure the devil will attempt to hinder you. And not only that, the Lord will test you. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Okay. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Wherefore, we greatly rejoice, though now for a season. If need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. In spite of all the obstacles, they followed the Lord. Look at the word, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us. By the way, to this we can all be sure. He has called us to preach the gospel. Amen. You say, but I'm a lady. Okay. Preach to somebody. Preach to your husband. 
by the way, most of you that marry preacher boys, they need some preaching too, okay? Witness. Uh, I, I took 25 of the uh, gospel tracts last night. He said, well, you're not going to be here very long. It don't take long to pass out 25 tracts. And the breakfast nook this morning, I, I gave everybody there one of the tracts. I gave the two girls working at the desk the tract. By the way, uh, it, it, you, you never know what God may do when you just give somebody a simple tract. Many times, it opens up an opportunity for you to witness to them. Assuredly gather that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel. Everybody ought to be telling others about Jesus. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Thank God all of us have something to do. Think about it. Come over into Russia. Come over into Poland. Come over into El Salvador. Come over into Peru and help us. Think about it. I know what they need. You know what they need. I have what they need. They need Jesus. I'm able to take this person, Jesus Christ, to them. We have the means and the methods. And it is about time that we let the rest of the world know about Jesus. Years ago, I was in Whitbank, South Africa. I met a fellow by the name of Henry. He was from England. He was a young fellow like me, about 70 years old. Okay. And we, we fellowshiped every night. He, he was very interesting. We, we talked about the war, and we talked about the difference between England and the U.S., and we talked about South Africa and so forth. And we just became good friends. The last night of the meeting in Whitbank, Henry put a note in my hand. And I got back to the place where Virginia and I was staying, and I opened the note, and this is what it said. Brother says, if we could get to heaven in an automobile, I'd like for you to be the driver. You know how to get there, and you know how to tell people how to get there. And it brought real conviction in my heart. And all I could think of was, yeah, I know how to get there. I know how to tell other people to get there. But am I doing my very best today? 
And am I willing to listen to God rather than make my own plans and do it my way? Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, speak to our hearts today. It's been a feeble effort that I've given today. I realize that. But Lord, from the depth of my heart, until you take me to heaven, I want to do the very best that I can to glorify you, to tell others about you. Speak to hearts this morning, dear Lord. Help us to be willing to surrender our plan. And like the Apostle Paul, to spend some time listening every day. Where do you want me today? What do you want me to do today? Thank you, dear Lord, for these students. Thank you for their attendance. Thank you, dear Lord, for their lives. Thank you that they have forsaken the world and they're not here in this college in order to learn ways to make a lot of money and to please ourselves and just live a good life for ourselves. But Lord, they're here preparing for your work. I pray that even today you will show some of them your plan for their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.